said it. <laughs> yeah, the voice you're hearing is uh, NC Scout, and I am uh, Braxton McCoy, and we've got Gaylord back on the ones and twos. I tried to run this shit on my own yesterday, and uh, I, it, like it's easy to talk about how tech illiterate I am, and that's part of it. But there's a shiny ass red button that says record uh, if you sign in the way I signed in. And uh, I was clicking that button and it didn't work. So we had to have Gaylord jump in and bail us out 20 minutes late yesterday. So he's back. Uh, we've, we're ruining his life again. Another, another day. And I'm here with uh, NC Scout. For those of you guys who are on social, you've probably seen him. He came out with a new book recently, which caught the attention of a bunch of people I respect, called The Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio. Is that the correct title? That is the correct title, brother. Yeah. A lot of people have really, a lot of people that I respect, like Lafayette Lee, for one, he knows a shitload about comms and stuff. Uh, He said it's great. Uh, Clay Martin said it was good. Um, Anyway, several, I'm trying to think of other people. I've heard, oh, uh, Grandpa. Grandpa. (laughs) Yeah, Grandpa. Yeah, that could be. Well, he's a a little biased, too. Yeah. Clay Clay's biased. He he's been on he's been on my show a couple of times, and you know he, oh, right he's on. a little biased, man. You know <laughs> I, I I don't know I I'm I'm just throwing that out there. Grumpa's a little biased too. <laughs> he he's been to the gorilla camp here in North Carolina a few times <laughs> okay. and, uh, himself. Okay. So it's it's like. <laughs> You know, these guys are kind of like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, man. I've drank whiskey with that dude. He's cool as fuck. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, but did you actually read the drivel that I wrote? Because so, you know, but man, we're sitting we're sitting at, at uh, 200 reviews. Book sitting no at shit, 200 wow. reviews. Yeah, 200 reviews. And That's really like good. 4.8 on Amazon. Which is wow, crazy. And, bro, um, that's you, you released yeah. that thing like six months ago only. No, no, it was uh, December second. December second. Oh 2nd. man, wow. Yeah, two hundred views sold, already. That is legit. It it sold almost thirteen thousand copies. I'm just like, holy shit, good work, like, man, bro. I, I don't even I I don't even know, man. Like I uh, so like the the whole thing about that book like the background behind it. So um I'm I'm friends with uh some interesting folks, man. You know, like doing doing the stuff that I do is um you you end up with with a lot of interesting friends, but uh Paul LeFavor, Mike Blackburn, uh that that run Blacksmith Publishing and uh, Paul LeFavor wrote he he's written a lot of really incredible books, but um they wrote the the US Army small unit tactics handbook for the, the uh, SUT phase of the Q course for SF. And okay. um, we were having a conversation. Uh, they, they came up to my place and, and we were hanging out and we kicked out a podcast and um, we've done a few since then. And uh, they, so Mike was, was really hell bent on kicking his own podcast out there. And so, uh, they did, and it's called the Pinelander. And, uh, I've been on a few episodes with them and everything, but we, we started talking about, um, you know, different issues that are facing the unconventional warfare community, like the soft community going forth. And, um, there's this entire, uh, undercurrent in the soft community of like, 
you know, the GWAT vets, the later GWAT vets like myself, who are kind of like, you know, like, like we know everything, we've done it all, we've, we've seen all the shit and like whatever. And, you know, then you have like the, the older guys that, that were kind of like they, they were in the special operations community before 9-11 or like in, in the early phases where there was a lot of guys that still had the institutional wisdom that were all mm. part of it. And um, they, they were looking at it like, you know, hey, we're we're losing touch with a lot of the knowledge that, that we need. And so uh, a lot of the, the training pipeline for the different aspects of, of the larger community out there, like like whatever it is, whether it's it's uh, Army SOF or uh, the Marine Corps or the Navy, Air Force, like whatever it is, their training pipelines um, kind of reflects the global war on terror mm-hmm. thinking. And, you know, we're learning now that um, we have to really dust off a lot of those skills, including foreign internal defense. And um, so some conversations that we were having about, you know, Ukraine and like some of the realities coming out of that and uh, the, the whole uh, 18 Echo program kind of maybe not meeting all of the needs necessarily that that are uh, out there, um, y- you know, dusting off some of the old school skills like you know, HF, for example, the army is scrambling to, to get that HF capability back. And one of the big things right now mm. is the reality that the Baofeng radio for good or bad, like everybody hates that thing. They're like, Ooh, you know, either, either you got the guys that absolutely love it. that are like, man, this is the coolest $25 I ever spent. Or you have the guys that are like, this thing's a big piece of shit and like, whatever, it's fucking sucks. It's it's a junk radio, what, whatever. It doesn't matter. The reality is, is that this thing is on the battlefield and it's going to be on the battlefield for the foreseeable future. And there has to be a book out there that addresses all of the things that go into this this device. Like, how do you implement this? into a communications plan. And uh, for a lot of folks out there, like this might be the only thing that they have, because when you look at just the raw sales volume of how long that, that radio has been on the market, everybody's buying that. Like everybody is beginning with that radio. Like that, that's their starting point where they say, you know, okay, I'm going to buy this thing and I'm going to have it. And so there hasn't really been a book like there's been a bunch of amateur radio books and stuff where it like gets super down into the technical details and whatever. And like, okay, man, you know, like the ham radio stuff that that's okay. But there's never really been a book that's been written from the perspective of a grunt. Like, okay, Hey, you know, fucking knuckle dragger, you know, 11 Bravo here. This is how you do this. You know, this is step by step how you take this device and you implement it into a plan. Here's how you make a competent communications plan. And further, here's how you maximize this utility in a step by step way uh, of just keeping things very simple, keeping the the uh, technical data and the technical knowledge to a minimum. And here's how you implement it. And uh, recognizing that this thing is a you know analog only device. How do you turn this into a device that has digital encryption in it? How do you encrypt messages that you send over it? How, how do you implement communication security and like all the stuff that, you know, you and I would know, 
back, like, you know, way back in the day when we we're talking ComSec and, and all that stuff. How do you do all that with, with just a bare bones analog radio? And I address all that in the book in a way that's digestible to, you know, a, a ground pounder, a, a guy who, who's a knuckle dragon grunt who, you know, hey, I don't have a lot of time to learn all the nuances about this shit. And I really don't care anyway. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to know how to accomplish the goals. And that's the perspective that I wrote the book from. That was the perspective that, you know, kind of came out of that conversation that we had way back in the day, uh, all the way back at episode 97 of Radio Contrast. That was like two years ago, man. And, um, you know, here we are. And it, it's really resonated with a lot of people just based on uh, the number of books that have been sold so far and how it's still just like, you know, just barnstorming <clears throat> out there. It, it, it's wild, man. It, it really, um, I'm, and I'm glad to, I'm really, really glad to see that so many people are picking that thing up and, and are hopefully putting it to good use, man. Cause, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's important, man. I'm, I'm here to tell you 13 K sales in a couple of months is just absolutely killing it for small market books, man. That's crushing it. But I have two questions for you. Uh, I barely remember how to fill a radio with an ANCD. I'm, I'm a retard, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what oh, the fuck dude. I'm doing, but yes, <laughs> but so can can a Baofeng free cop and does the radio suck? Because I hear both on the to your earlier point. Some people say it's all right. Some people say it sucks. So free cop, I'll run you through how to to frequency hop, quote unquote, on this. Um, the first misconception about frequency hopping, and this is one of those things that happened when I was in. So like when I was in. And, you know, you learned this too, you know, oh, frequency hopping, like nobody can ever decode our shit because it hops yeah. frequency. Like, um, I learned, so a little bit about me, man, when, um, I, I actually broke my back in Afghanistan in a catastrophic IED. And it's not something I really talk about a whole lot. Um, but so I kind of like, I, I went through the remainder of the deployment. Um, like I, I just, I, I wasn't even really aware of it. it and it was just kind of one of those things, man, like Castro guy ED, a fucking, uh, shattered my back plate. It blew the helmet off my head, like mm. fucking vaporized my nods. And it, I mean, it That's was, um, one. yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was 200 pounds of UBE. um, it was a Iranian anti-tank mine. It was one of the ones that they use. Um, it, it, they were building. It was like a copy of the the Italian anti-tank mine. Mm. Um, anyway, where I'm going with that is is that um, when when I got back to Garrison, like w when that deployment was over, and um, got back, I was uh, training up to do something else. And started having some pretty serious issues and, uh, went and got checked out and, um, met with the doc doctor's like, Hey, you know, you've got some serious stuff going on. You've got some bone spurs. Um, 
you know, you're going to have to see the chiropractor today and you're going to have to get an MRI on it to like right now. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, you know, it's one of those things that like, um, you go from being like, like the top dog, man, like, like you're the top of the heap to all of a sudden, what the fuck? Like, you know, y'all, y'all are starting to talk like permanent profile kind of shit. Like, mm-hmm. It's anyway. Um, I ended up at another place after that. So like, you know, and I was real bitter about it. Like I had a bad attitude and, you know, just like, fuck this and fuck the army and fuck, fuck everything, man. I I had a real, real bad attitude with it. I got to credit my wife with, with, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, keeping me grounded in reality. Cause like in those days, man, I was, I was crawling up in a bottle, like, like regularly. Cause I just Mm -hmm. didn't care. Just like, yeah, well, you know, everything I wanted to do in life is is pretty much here, and that's it. Like, this isn't going to happen. So anyway, um, I end up out west, uh, end up in El Paso, and um, you know, doing some stuff out there, and um, just going out to White Sands, and and you know, it, it was uh, it was just kind of a like to me at the time as a low point in my career. Cause it was almost over. Like the army was trying to figure out what they were going to do with me. And, yeah. um, it, it ended up being extremely valuable though. There, there were some very, very valuable things that came out of that. And one of them was, was that, um, I'm out observing an exercise that uh unit was doing out there. And the NSA was being the red cell. They, they were being the electronic op for, for this exercise. And so I was read on to what they were doing. And the unit that was involved in the exercise had no idea that this stuff was going on. And I'm under the impression that like frequency hopping and all, you know, all, all our fancy shit was safe. Like you, you couldn't break that. Like nobody was going to break that. Right. And, uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but just, I I just got thinking, we got a shitload of civilian listeners. And for, for those people that are listening, we, uh, primarily, used if you were in a vehicle we used a radio system called a sinkar in the in the iraq mm-hmm. and afghanistan wars and what that thing would do and and to his point we were taught from you know young babies in the army that uh this this method of encryption which was to jump from different frequencies you know over and over again but the radio that you were sending to was jumping at the same rate or whatever speed timing you know Mm -hmm. so that you were always on the same frequency no matter what like think of your if you're like a hunter or whatever think of that motorola you walk around with and you all choose like everybody chooses like seven seven or seven one or whatever it would be like every time you keyed that radio up um, it would go between like seven one three seven one eight eight two three you know but the other radio would be receiving at the Please help me if I'm fucking this up, but the other radio would be hopping at the same, the same rate. So your transmission would be unbroken. And we were told from, you know, like he said from day one, that this is like uncrackable, might as well be Navajo wind talker shit. There's no way anybody's, you know, getting in on this and just, just background for your, so anyway, go ahead. And, and so anyway, you know, we get out there and I'm watching this unit begin to have after like the third day they begin to have some severe combo struggles and me you know like coming from a lurse unit where i'm like 
I, I learned some advanced communications techniques while I was there, or at least what I thought was, you know, like it, it was all pretty cool stuff. And it was stuff that I didn't learn as a line infantryman for sure. And um, all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, why are these guys having so many problems? Man, I, you know, started like paying careful attention to what they were doing. And I realized it was like, oh man, like I dusted off some, some old notes in my head. And I was like, dude, these guys are getting jammed. Well, I mean, you know, how how the fuck are they getting jammed? Like there was, um, uh, they they were playing like a recording of two cats fighting over the radio oh, back shit. to them. No kidding. They they were that's kind of metal, actually. Yeah, I know, dude. They they were <laughs> they had uh, what sounded like Hank three man, like Hank Williams the third. <laughs> no shit. Like on on his ADD <laughs> album where he had like cats fighting. Well, it might have been on uh, uh, Damn Right Rebel Proud. I don't know. I'm a big Hank three, okay. fan. Yeah, but um, I like Hank three. where he seen him live a couple times. Oh, I have too, man. I have too. Uh, but it, at the Orange Peel in Asheville, North Carolina, man. But um, yeah. when uh, when when he he played it, I forgot which album it was, but he, he played Cats Fighting on on a loop as mm. like the 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 oh, exit yeah. of the song, like the the tail oh. end of the song. And I'm pretty sure it was ta- damn right Rebel Proud, man. man I, it was, it was that on that album. Straight I don't remember the song, though. It might have been Three Shades of Black. It might have been Three Shades of Black. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But now we're but, way in the weeds on Hank 3. But I know exactly yeah, what you're talking we are, about now. Bro. We, 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 I do that, man. I do that. But um, <laughs> any, Anyway, man. He So, he, so th- these, these cats are getting you know, this recording playing over and over again. And they're like, what the fuck? Like radio's not working. Mm-hmm. The S six is looking at it and he's like, no, everything's right with the radio. And Dude's I, you on know, the line I are banging it on rocks and shit. <laughs> they're, they're just <laughs> staring at it blankly. Like what the fuck, you know, like what the fuck's going on with it? And, um, dude, it, it really got crazy when the brigade commander got recorded. He, he got oh. recorded because he had this real bad habit of getting on and and dude every commander that i knew would do this shit they would get on and they would give like the morning brief over the radio and they're like you know guidons 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 so you know for all the civvy listeners out there like that means you know every company commander like every company commander get on the net you're going to listen to your instructions for the day right which is is something that you ought to be giving in person you know but they, they do that over the radio because like this global war on terror thinking, you know, oh, nobody can break our communications. Nobody can fuck with our shit. Like we're, we're good to go. And they get these real bad habits. So all of a sudden, man, the morning brief for the day prior comes through the next morning. Like oh, when, sure. when he's about to give his brief, all of a sudden it's his voice. It's his instructions, but it was for the day prior. And seeing this dude, man, he's a bird colonel. Seeing the look on his face, he's just like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, for like, real. What the fuck? Like, what is this? What is it? So, bro, I'm watching all this and I'm like, man, this right here, somebody like, like, all right. So there can't be. This, this, there's no way that this is like the cloak of invincibility, right? And so, you know, like, I start digging a little deeper, 
asking around, playing like the whole the whole uh, you know social engineering aspect of like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, how are you doing this? And and then like it kind of dawned on me, just bullshitting with these dudes a little bit, like the Singars system, right, or the ASEPs, right, the Singars single channel ground airborne radio system. Uh, ASEPS Advanced Singars Improvement Project, right? So, like the the basic um, regular army radio system that they use, right? Um, it operates from thirty to eighty eight megahertz, and so really all you have to do is look at that span, right? And this was this this was uh, we'll say uh, twelve years ago. Uh, well, 10 years ago, 11 years, eh, damn, 11 years ago, um, that, that they were looking at this stuff. And a lot of this equipment that they were using that was very high tech at the time is, is common off the shelf now. Like I link to this stuff all the time off Amazon and, and, and put it up on Twitter, put it up on American partisan, like, Hey, buy this equipment because it's really cheap and here's what you can do with it. Right. And, um, they, they all they had to do was look between thirty and eighty eight megahertz and look for the spikes on the pan adapter, and and they they've oh. got this little receiver that can just look at the whole like this whole chunk of spectrum, and they just see where the spikes are, and they say, oh, that's where your frequency hopping, bam, oh, got shit, you. man, and they just replicate that into a radio that they had, which was also common off the shelf is made by Apache labs It's very expensive, but they had it and bam, you know, like th- this is what we did. And then from there, we just record you. We mirror your frequency hopping and we got you. And, uh, yeah. So cool. like a morning feel yeah. ain't doing shit. All they got to do is catch it one time. It's over. Got them. They got them. Oh em. shit. Wow. And, um, you know, with, uh, the encryption aspect, because remember, like we had to load the hopsec and then the comsec as well. So the encryption aspect it adds another dimension to it. Um, but the, the, as far as the the uh, frequency hopping ability, bro, there there are ways. So uh, with the bow thing, so like I told you all that to tell you this, um, with the bow thing, what I tell people to do. And this is by no means going to break anything because frequency hopping is not a a blanket talisman of immunity. Like it's just not, man. Uh, Everybody thinks that it is like we thought that it was that, that institutional wisdom, like what Pat McNamara says that institutional inbreeding. I I Hmm. love that term, man. That's a great term. It is because it, it like, it leads to problems where, we think we're smarter than we really are. And and we're not like, we don't have that introspection to be like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe this is a little jacked up. Um, but so with a bow thing, right. The best thing to do and what I tell everybody to do, and this is what I teach them in class in the RTO course is go into the menu and menu option number seven TDR, right? This is transmit and dual receive. So you'll look at your bow thing and, um, and I've, I've got a couple handy up here on the shelf, but, um, you, you have a, a top frequency and a bottom frequency, right? And so you, you've got channel mode and you've got frequency mode. I keep that. Yeah, there you go, brother. You keep everything in frequency mode and 
I've got reasons for that too, because I mean, bro, I've, I've rolled up guys, especially the Taliban. They they were real bad about this. Iraq was kind of, I mean, whatever. Their insurgents weren't that great, but uh, the Taliban, man, we would roll these dudes up. They would have all kinds of shit programmed in their radios. Like they thought that they were so well organized and it's like, they kind of were, but the problem was, was that they didn't account for the fact that we were going to get their crap. Like we were going to take their radios. We were going to kill them and take their radios and we could get all their stuff off of the memory of it. So don't program a bunch of shit into the memory. Like don't, don't do that. Um, keep it in frequency mode, man. Like old school way, the old school guys that reach out to me, like the old school SF dudes, the old school, uh, Ranger bat guys. Like I've, I've had a bunch of plank holders from, from one seven, five and two seven, five that, that like, they reach out all the time. And, um, the old school way of actually writing an SOI out or your signals operating instructions, which I cover in the book, like that, that's going to save your ass. You know, and, and that's going to keep you like, like, let's say like you and I are programming our radios to go do some real shit. Right. And I get shot. And yeah. now all of a sudden, like whoever fucking shot me is coming down to do sensitive site exploitation or SSE on my corpse. Right. And like take dead guy photos with me and whatever. And they're, yeah. they're going to roll me over. They're going to pull my radio out. And they're, they're going to have a SIGINT guy, signals intelligence guy there to rip all that data off of that radio and like yeah. whatever's programmed into the memory, bam, they got it. And so we, we were doing that in Afghanistan. So don't, don't program a bunch of shit in your radio. You know, all, all these guys reach out to me and they're like, yeah, but, but what I want to talk to like my, my repeater that I built and, and all my buddies are on it. Like, yeah, but you're, you're giving somebody with any level of training a lot of shit if they want it like if they want it bad enough they're going to get it from you make them work for it man don't be a cheap date you know don't be a cheap date for people but anyway um menu number seven tdr right transmit and dual receive and what this allows you to do is transmit on one frequency receive on another and so the way that this works man is that you're going to be transmitting on one frequency and I'm going to be on the other and we're, we're going to be um, working kind of in tandem with one another and uh, you're going to be transmitting. I'm going to be transmitting. I'm going to receive on one frequency range. You'll receive on the other. And so um, what that allows us to do is, Basically, if it let's say you program a UHF frequency and I program a VHF frequency, um, you know, UHF on a on a Baofeng radio is 400 to 470 megahertz and a VHF frequency is um, 136 to 174 megahertz. And, uh, you know, on the Baofeng radio. Right. Uh, it's a little bit broader than that when when we're talking um uh, you know, like, like specific frequency ranges, but anyhow, um, I'm going to receive your stuff and you're going to receive mine, like our traffic that we send back and forth. But 
whoever's listening to us, let's say like they have a, uh, a, uh, frequency counter or they have a scanner or, or, you know, whatever it is they're trying to receive our traffic on, they're only going to hear half of the conversation, right? They're only going to hear half of it. They have to sit there and work for it. And it doesn't matter what piece of equipment that they're running. They're going to have to work for it. They're going to have to have at least two devices. And I teach people this in the uh, signals intelligence course that I run. They're like, look, you know, they may have a, a very sophisticated communications receiver. They may have a, uh, a uh, spectrum analyzer, right? But that can only focus on one part of the spectrum at a time. If you're on such a far end of the spectrum and you're taking advantage of everything that, that your radios and your equipment is able to do, you know, you people can say what they want and throw like, you know, all the fancy buzzword terms like, oh, but but encryption and AES and all stuff out there. And it's like, all right, man, like we can shit in one hand and wish in the other. You, you know, you want all this capability, but let's talk what people actually have in their hands, because that's what they're going to have to fight with. And most often that's a bow thing. This is a this is a very, very good method by which you can secure your communications. Is it perfect? No, no, absolutely not. But this is a better thing. This is a much better option than, you know, simply sticking to one frequency. Like the people that are like, you know, Oh, I got my, my Motorola, uh, GMRS radio. And we'll just be on channel 22. Like, bro, everybody can hear that, man. Like that—that's—that's right. that's, that stuff is published data, man, and and like I've got those frequencies in the book too, um, where it's it's like it it's out there, uh, so, so you, you don't want to see stuff. I'm sorry to cut you off. Let me ask you a yeah. question though. I know a lot of people got to be thinking. <clears throat> um, I actually let me make this kind of a two-parter, which will make it a little bit leading, but um. One is is the because of the the sort of evolutions in technology. I for, I forget what they call that uh, that theory or theorem rather, where you know computers sort of grow exponentially once they hit a certain point. You know, digital tech, whatever. Because all of this is happening, is there? Do we reach a point where all this shit cancels itself out, and you've got to go back to like? tactile physical communication because yeah. nothing you can do is encrypted there's no way you're secure and then the way i would make that leading is to say like what i think all my friends here you know listeners and this kind of stuff who are sports fans they're gonna go look man at least the more thinking ones are gonna go look man if true encryption was possible Surely somebody that has a billion dollar franchise like the Dallas Cowboys would be running like, you know, they would be investing in this so they could talk to each other without having to worry about it. But they don't. Instead, they make sure they can go touch each other on the shoulder if it's something that's real secret. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, nah, the, that that's really not a double barreled question. It's, it's kind of the, the same question just answered in two different or uh, asked in two different ways, rather. Um, when it comes to encryption, so there's two types of encryption out there. 
types, digital encryption and physical encryption. Uh, digital encryption is what we relied on in the army when we talked ComSec and, and what we were relying, you know, AD, um, ADVNT and, uh, you know, uh, Vincent and, you know, all that kind of dusting off some, some old recesses in my brain, um, where, you know, we're relying on, you know, NSA type three stuff, which is, uh, really just advanced encryption standard 256 bit. Um, and I know I'm, I'm spitting out a bunch of technical stuff here, but that's kind of setting up my answer is the fact that quantum computing, you know, AES 128's been broken. And it's not theoretical. It's it's real. Like they they're out there saying, you know, like oh, theoretically, one AES one twenty eight is broken. Like, n- no, it, that that's really been broken. And two fifty six, at least on the the uh, open source side, the the you know the the freeware side, they're saying it's secure. But, you know, China's running around openly advertising the fact that they have a couple of quantum computers. Why do they have those? Um, So here's the Mm. thing with encryption. You have to capture the data in motion, right? The data in motion and breaking that is where you're going to make your money. And so if you don't capture the data in motion and it's already been transmitted from point A to point B, Right. So like think of think of our radio stuff as like a pipe. Right. So we've got, um, you know, the water coming in one end and it comes out the other end. Right. And that encryption is kind of the pipe. Like when when you're looking at a culvert, you don't see the water like you see where it goes in. You see where it comes out, but you don't really see that data as or the water rather as it's going down the pipe because all you see is the pipe. That's what the encryption is like. That's the point behind the encryption. But the Chinese and, you know, very likely the Russians as well, because they're sharing that data and and the American government, um, because IBM is working on all of this stuff, too, Um, probably more advanced. You know, we we can say it's probably more advanced than than what uh, the Chinese are working on. We hope. I hope. We don't know. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to think that the American government is is better at this than than uh, foreign intelligence agencies, but I ain't so sure in Maybe. this day and age. Right. Um, but point is, is that um, how do you overcome that? How do you overcome the fact that you know we may have some challenges here? The way that we do this is through physical encryption. So we've been talking digital encryption, and that's that's basically taking whatever it is that I am saying or whatever it is I want to transmit, and I am superimposing it into some sort of encrypted uh, in, encryption method, right? And I'm relying on the uh, device itself to encrypt all that data. Well, the problem with that is is that that's what's going to get broken. If I physically encrypt my data through a variety of different means, and I have a couple of different means that are included in the book, uh, one-time pad, which is a great way to do it, also known as a Vernum cipher, and I explain in, in detail how to do that, as well as trigrams. Uh, so basically taking a long message and breaking it down into three-letter groups and you're taking a big message and making it really small 
and then you encode it via a one-time pad. So you can break the digital transmission all you want. All you're going to get is, is a bunch of numbers or a bunch of letters. There's nothing you can do with it. Now, um, the Air Force, I want to point out that the Air Force does this, um, the Sky King messages, which are transmitted over HF, uh, uh, high frequency radio. And these are the emergency action messages. So to, to all the listeners out there that may not know what this is, um, if, if you ever watch uh, Crimson Tide, so the, the old submarine movie with, um, you know, it had some great actors in it. Um, it just, it's a legendary movie, right? They they get the yeah. uh, emergency was, action was, messages over and over again. Uh, had Denzel was Washington in it. And uh, Gene oh, Hackman. Denzel. Yeah. yeah, Denzel Hackman, Washington yeah. and Gene Hackman, man. But they, they keep getting the, the emergency action messages that are a bunch of letters, and then they have to decode them. And they, you know, they, oh, they get okay. it printed out to them. Well, that, the Air Force does that. They transmit these over HF and it's via voice. So, like, if if you look up the Sky King messages and you can look these up on uh, people, there's like radio nerds that will record these off of HF and post them up on YouTube. Or they'll be on like 4chan or 8chan. And like, they, they're getting up there. There's like a whole Twitter group dedicated to it. Where they they like they listen to these messages and they just put them up there. It's like, bro, you have no hope of decoding this. It doesn't mean anything. Like it means something to the recipient and to the transmitter, but you can't get any of this, even though you heard the whole message in the clear. But all you heard was like Romeo, Tango, Fox, Delta, Papa, like whatever, like these rattle on messages. You can do the same thing with your radios. And I describe that in detail in the book. Like you, there are ways to take an analog radio and and use digital protocols over it that are all free, by the way. Like this stuff, literally, man, you can get a twenty five dollar bow thing. You can get an eighteen dollar um, cable, an audio jack cable, and you can get you know any tablet. Hell, even a phone, man. Like, I don't recommend people using phones in in like an operational environment because there's a lot of data that gets tracked on those. But um, you know, like day to day stuff here in the United States, where you're just practicing, yeah, you can use a phone. Doesn't matter. Uh, but any Android phone, you down download uh, and FL message, which is free, totally free, and you've got 162 or 166. I forget how many, but but different digital protocols that are on there. It's 100% mm. free. And you, you can send that data over your radio. And unless, like, let's think about this, man. Like, unless somebody has the ability to decode those, and they have to know what data protocol you're using while the data is being transmitted, because if they don't get the entirety of that message, they're not going to get the handshake. They can't do anything with it. They can't decode it. So that that's that's a pretty serious level of comsec right there. And then when you're you're throwing uh, physical encryption in there, and the 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 thing is, and this is what hangs a lot of people up. They they want instantaneousness to their messages, and you're not going to get that. Okay, you're not going to get that. Now, there are ways to accomplish that, but 
but you're, you're not going to necessarily get that. Like you have to sit down, write that message out. And, you know, I work through all that and show you how to work through all that in the book. But it takes a, you know, it takes a minute. And some of the old school guys, man, the old hand guys from Vietnam and, you know, I would say the era all the way up to Panama and like all the guys in Desert Storm, man, like like our parents generation that were in Desert Storm, um, you know, they they remember these techniques. And oh, the boomers are so happy right now. It's just I can just hear them gloating like, on the other end of the speakers right now. No, we talked hey, about this in the last episode. Those, those are the people we call boomers. But yeah. <laughs> hey, like, look, man, to hey, techniques, the, the old school works for a reason. Now, I, ain't, I ain't necessarily saying that I'm going to be running around doing some boomer shit because <laughs> they, they, you know, they do some stupid shit from time to time. But when it comes to ComSec, man, bro, the, these guys had to write it all out by hand. They had to do it the hard way because they didn't have yeah. all the high tech stuff. And like um, that chick that got us to the moon. Oh, <laughs> you see what it did there? Uh, I got to ask yeah, you a question. That movie, that movie. <laughs> I got to ask you a question. Sorry. I know this is burning on listeners' minds right now. Did you just solve the weather balloon question? And which, by that, what I mean is like, uh, the, the missile were the Chinese, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> who the fuck knows where that is? That's a Nessie's b-hole right now or something. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was like, here, here's, you know, I'm a retard as we know, but, uh, if I'm China, this tech relative to any state war machine is I mean, it's pennies. It does. It's it's meaningless money. It's like you or I dropping a penny on the ground. It literally doesn't mean a thing, right? So if I'm China, I might go, "Hey, I figured out one of our little Chinese nerds and one of our little Chinese nerd sweatshops figured out this new tech system, and you know, because trying to stay in front of the American, you know, cybersec process, maybe we go, "Hey, let's just put a couple of these on these hundred thousand dollar weather balloons and just drift them over." the american continent and see how good they are like who yeah. cares why they shoot them down I, like i don't care i just want to know if it works right yeah yeah man um they yeah they, there was definitely that going on uh my personal educated guess on this and this is my guess i want to be very specific this is this is my hypothesis coming from this um just to make sure, uh, because I, I, I have a lot of people that reach out to me, man. I, I have a lot of uh, people in different capacities and privileged information sources that reach out to me. And, and so I, I want to make this very clear that this is my hypothesis, not coming from anybody else. My my theory is, is that um, given what was on the device right? The, the balloon quote unquote. And, you know, we know that that was a signals intelligence collection device. Um, the, the air force, when we were laying out the military bases in the 1950s and into the early 1960s, we looked at the jet stream 
Like that, that was the big thing. Like we figured sure. out the jet stream in world war two and you know, with, with bomber pilots and you know, how, how do they not run out of fuel on, on their way back to Britain? Like how, how yep. do you do this? So we figured out the jet stream, right? And so we were utilizing that. And so this was the era of Curtis LeMay, who I would say is America's second greatest general from that era uh, behind Patton. And he was really laying out the the foreground of what would become the Cold War, like our, our whole battle plan of the Cold War. Right. And um, yeah. all of the military bases were aligned on the jet stream because we had to be able to fly to them if necessary. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why uh, the Nighthawk bird flies from off it, right off at mm-hmm. air force base in, in literally the dead center of the country. And that is, um, you know, the, the, the basically our, our uh, continuity of government bird, whenever that thing goes up, like some serious shit's going on, maybe uh, probably. And, that's the one that like, if there's ever a threat on DC, that one's going to go up to maintain command and control. Well, it hangs out right around in that area, like uh, of the Gulf stream so that it could go North mm-hmm. and it would have air force bases to hit as it goes into the Northern Gulf stream, or it can go South and it would have Southern air force bases that it could land, you know, if, if necessary. All right. So the Chinese know this. And they also know a couple of other things. They know that um, all of our anti-nuclear defense, like our deterrence stuff, is aimed north, right? So everything is aimed towards the north because everything from the Cold War era was geared towards the Soviet Union. Like, you know, right. we, we have to uh, shoot down all the threats that are coming over the North Pole from the Soviet Union. So um, they know that. And they know that all of our early warning detection systems are coming from the north. And so we're detecting everything from the north. And so what they did with that that bird or that balloon, rather, was twofold. They knew that when they sent that balloon over, they were able to test our defenses. Right. How early Mm -hmm. can they pick this up and how early are they going to react to it? Because that's two different things. Just because I see something, you know, we're talking OODA loop here, observe, orient, right. side act. Just because I see something doesn't necessarily mean that I react to it, you know? But yeah. we notice the balloon. We're like, oh, no, that's a balloon. Huh. You know, well, I wonder where that's going to go. Well, you knew where the fuck it was going to go. Like right. it's following the jet stream. Yeah, there was no question. Yeah. And so it just slides in this parabolic path right on down through the jet stream. And it mapped out all of our strategic defenses. And we didn't shoot it down. Right. And they can say whatever they want, man. Like, like all the pundits can say whatever they want. The government can say whatever they want. Like, oh, we didn't shoot it down because we were going to get blah, blah, blah. And we were going to see where it was transmitted. Bro, it doesn't matter what the fuck. Like, it, none of that matters. And here's why. Because we communicate from each one of those bases via a microwave relay. So, microwave, right? So, one gigahertz and above. 
when we think of microwave, like, um, you know, our, our cell phone signals are normally in, you know, the, the, uh, 900 megahertz range and up through the gigahertz range. And then we're, we're talking like 4g signals, 5g signals. And it doesn't mean generation. That means five gigahertz signals, right? Um, th- that's the frequency range that they're in. And so we're talking microwave when we're talking cell phones. Well, we communicate with each one of these nuclear launch sites, ICBM launch sites, and each one of these Air Force bases via a system that is what we called back in the era when it was being put up as low probability of intercept or LPI. And Mm -hmm. this was basically taking one microwave site and transmitting to another one via a beam, right? So like a laser beam, except it's a beam of sound because it's microwave and it's, it's in that range from one place to another. And it was very hard to intercept that signal. The only way that you could intercept that is if you were in between the receiver and, and the sender, right? Mm-hmm. There were other ways that you could do this if, if you got in between that, right? And so like the Chinese knew that they couldn't take a spy with a frequency counter and like trying to record this. And there, there was no way that they could do that, right? So how do you do this? Like the Russians spent so much time trying to figure out how to do this. They really couldn't figure it out. The best that they could get was uh, the Lord A's Signals Intelligence Station in Cuba, which, um, you know, if you ever see uh, GoldenEye, the old Pierce Brosnan, James Bond movie, like that giant fucking satellite dish where him and the Russian chick like make out at the bottom of it or whatever the fuck it was that we're doing. Mm, like Sean Bean gets killed in it. Sean Bean gets killed and everything. But Sean Bean like got killed at the bottom of it or whatever. And then like mm. Pierce Brosnan's like, Hey girl, come here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, that, that satellite, that was supposed to be the Lord A's signals intelligence station. And the Soviets ran that. And they were monitoring the microwave link between Cape Canaveral and Houston in the Gulf. Mm. The way that like they couldn't get in between it, but what they could get was the spurs. That were the, the signals that were spurious that were coming off of the ends of that. So it's kind of like light, man. Like, like you, you take a flashlight and shine it in the corner mm-hmm. and like you, you've got that like tight beam in the center, but then you have mm-hmm. like all, all the, the like residual light that's going the, out to the, the flood. Yeah. Yep. They were trying to get the flood. That's what they were trying to get. Well, the Chinese mm-hmm. were like, Hey man, we're going to do one better. We'll float that fucking balloon over and we'll get those signals. And that's exactly what they did. The reason that they wanted this was if HF communications fails, which is possible, right? It's possible, especially when you're talking about a nuclear exchange, because in a nuclear exchange, you have all of this energy that is going out like EMP. Everybody talks about electromagnetic pulse. Um, you know, Dr. Arthur Bradley, who, who's, uh, you know, a paratrooper and, uh, awesome, all around awesome dude, physicist for NASA. He, he's America's foremost expert. I've interviewed him, uh, on the podcast. He's super, super brilliant dude. Um, but you know, he, he talks about it. And so you, you've, you've got basically EMP is 
the electromagnetic pulse or these free electrons that are going out, right? You can, you can actually shut down HF communications with this as well, right? So let's say like all the other stuff is fried. Those microwave links from point to point are still going to be functional because they designed them to be that way. Well, how do you shut those down? And the Chinese were mapping those out exactly mm. where those points were. How do we map this out? How do we figure out exactly where they're transmitting from and where they're transmitting to? And what are they transmitting? Because I don't need to decrypt what you're transmitting. I just need to know that you're transmitting it. Like th that's something yeah. that a lot of people don't, don't wrap their minds around. I just need to know that you're saying what you're saying and you're starting a pattern for me. And that, that tells me a lot, right? That's what the Chinese sure. were looking for. And I got a strong feeling just from people that reached out to me that, that were in um, privileged areas of, of uh, um, they, they're placed individuals. We'll just put it like that. Um, they had that capability. And, and yeah, like we, we knew the, the problem was, is that we knew um, all the way up to the SES ring. We knew that that was what was going on and we didn't do anything about it. The, the orders never came down from DC to say, Hey, blow that motherfucker up. Like what, what should have happened, which was what everybody in the department of defense was screaming at the top of their lungs, blow that motherfucker out of the sky never, never came down, right? Never came down. And ever, they, they never said, Hey, you know, it, and the only message that, that anybody got was, well, it, it could hurt somebody, bro. You know, you, you're talking about fucking why, you know, Montana, wide open skies of Montana where there ain't nothing. Yeah, out that there was that bullshit from the beginning. Yeah. Nah, man. Like, like I've been to Billings, Montana. There ain't shit there. Like the town's tiny. Yeah, and Billings is one of the most populated there. cities in the place. Yeah. yeah. That, that was bullshit from the <laughs> jump. I mean, I've, I've been to jail in Billings. <laughs> like, I, I know all about Billings. I've spent yeah. a couple nights there in the crowbar <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like, like I've, man, I've been all over Montana, man. Fucking Billings, yeah, Missoula, yeah. Hamilton. Sure, I'm telling yeah. you, man. Like, like, bro, you, you could have blown that thing up and, and nobody would ever. Yeah. That, that, that was for sure bullshit from the very jump. Yeah. That that was kind of what perked me up was when they were saying they were worried about it, hitting somebody. That's definitely 100% not true, especially yeah. since pretty much anyone that that thing might hit in Montana is somebody that this administration doesn't like. So like the, yep. there's no way they were actually worried about that. Um, yeah. So here, uh, I, I have a question for you now. <clears throat> because you brought up nuclear exchange and how that might uh, disrupt a comms environment. Uh, at, like, as very much a lay person here, not trying to pretend to be any kind of physicist, but I, I struggle to believe that we actually have any firm grasp of how uh, signals would transmit. I don't give a, f a freaking shit which, you know, frequency you're using, you know, whether it's UHF, VHF, microwave, I, I don't care. I struggle to believe that we really know 
how anything would transmit in that kind of chaotic atmospheric environment. Because if you really had a legitimate exchange, who cares whether stuff shot down, you know, mm-hmm. detonated in the upper atmosphere or hits the ground, like, it, like talking to obviously that I'm referencing like missile defense systems in either country. Right. I mean, the, the type of atmospheric chaos you're talking about is it's truly apocalyptic. And I've just, I have a hard time believing that we're getting any kind of reliable communications through that type of environment, you know? No, we're not. The yeah. only way. So like, I'll break it down like this, man. And, and I'm not a physicist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not an engineer. Bro, I was, I was Lim Bravo, man. I'm fucking knuckle dragger myself. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, th- this is the way that I explain it in class and I- explain RF theory in general is radio waves travel at the speed of light. Right. So we understand radio waves to behave similarly as light waves. And so mm-hmm. I use that as a tool so that the students can visualize, okay, now I kind of have a frame of reference, like this magic science that is radio or whatever. Like now, now I can kind of visualize because I'm a visual learner myself. And so if you take a flashlight and like you shine it in the corner, even with the light on in a room, so like, you know, I'm in a well-lit room right now. If I shine light in the corner, I'm still going to be able to see that light. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like flashlight. I'm still going to be able to see that. Why? Because it's directed energy and it's going in one direction. Mm-hmm. So in a chaotic environment, like it, people have this misconception about EMP and like all this stuff thinking like, oh man, it's, it's going to create all this electrical noise. And then like, we're going to instantly go back to the stone age. That's not necessarily true. Um, will it? cause a serious amount of havoc yeah yeah oh yeah 100 percent. but will it knock out everything no because you're gonna have you're gonna have basically a radius of, of where it affects things most severely now with radio waves you gotta understand that different frequency ranges behave differently for a lot of reasons like there's there's physics reasons um the ionosphere is is a big part of that and like what's going on with the ionosphere and there's so many changes with the ionosphere every single day at different moments in the day because of what the sun is doing yeah it's impacted by solar flares and all kinds of shit Mm -hmm. so when we have a let's say a nuclear detonation right um what would end up happening is certain frequencies would would experience that moment in time where you know there's a massive static crash, and because of the uh, the charged ionosphere as a result of that, it may shut down certain frequencies or certain frequency frequency ranges that are utilizing different ranges of the ionosphere. And it's going to end up shutting those down, right? So the Russians recognized that actually early on from their nuclear tests. And they developed a a system um, which was kind of parodied in Dr. Strangelove, 
Uh, you know, Dr. Strangelove for, for anybody listening, you should go back and, and watch that movie. Cause it's uh, a, a hell of an entertaining movie. Um, you know, you've got, you, you got slim Pickens riding. I was just going to ask you if that was that movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that's him. That's him, man. You, Bro, by you, the way, you, you for sure broke the all time record for movie references on a part on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if it was that one. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. But, but, um, the Russians. So in that movie, like one of the subplots late in the movie, was the Russian guy who's like the, he's the ambassador to, to Washington or whatever. And he goes in there and he says, you know, Hey, when you attack Russia, when you attack the Soviet union, you're going to set off the dead hand system. And there's no way that we can stop it. And so like it triggers this nuclear Armageddon, like the end, which is real by the way. Yeah, it's real. And so their system is based on HF and you can actually hear this on uh 4774 megahertz you or or uh, 4774 kilohertz rather uh, 4.774 uh megahertz you can actually listen into this it is uh the the dead hand well they don't call it that they they call it um the buzzer right uvv 76 and this thing just buzzes and like you can hear it man it, it like I, I go out to my radio shack like I, I fire up the icom i can sit there and listen to this thing um and it buzzes all the time and what that is is a link from one nuclear site to another and from from all of theirs right and the transmitter is coming from uh, it's either Moscow or St. Petersburg is one of those. And basically it's, it, it's one of their key nuclear targets. And if that signal gets interrupted, you know, all right, well, all bets are off. Like send it, send it up. Um, our system is very similar, but it's microwave based. It, it's based on that microwave signal. And that's why, um, when, uh, there was some conversation about why don't they just shut the microwave system down when the Chinese balloon was flying over it? Or why don't they just shut that down? Bro, you can't shut it down. You can't shut it down. Like they, they, they cannot, that's the thing is that you can't shut that system down because then you have to go through the procedure of starting it back up. You got to notify everybody that's in the hot loop. Like, hey, because that's a closed loop system. Hey, mm. you know, <clears throat> hey, we're, we're going to shut it down because, you know, Chinese balloons over that we could totally shoot down, but we're not going to shoot it down. Like everybody in, in the whole chain of commands looking at this, like, this is stupid as fuck. And right? then you got to pray there's no mistakes, which is near impossible with that many, you know, links in the chain. Exactly. And, and there's just, there's not, man. Like, we, we put that system in place during the Cold War. The Russians did too, man. They're fucking smart. Like, the, the, the one of the big issues that I have with American culture, and, like, I learned this on my first deployment to Iraq, you know, way, way back in the day, going to Kirkuk, and it was that culture shock of, like, mm-hmm. we... Bro, we just have this, like, Americans have this this thing about us, man. Like, we think everybody is dumb as shit. 
because they don't speak English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize like, I had that same culture shock. By the way, keep keep going. Yeah, you realize, man. These these people are actually fucking smart. Mm-hmm. Like they they may not. And, and the thing is, is they they may not be book smart. They may not be mm-hmm. like they may not have friggin' sheepskins on the wall or whatever. Um, they're sharp. They they're some sharp people. You you know you you really need to sit back and think like. Hey man, you know this this guy's pretty smart, man. Um, you know, and and like we do that, and and this the whole yeah, bro. When you're people- seeing like the first time you see a uh, pressure switch for an ID, that's like yeah, uh, a bandsaw blade that they folded over and then taped one end. And you yep. when you encounter that for the first time and look at it, especially if you're kind of a working class blue car guy like we are. You look at that and yep. go, you know, let's note that's definitely not the most sophisticated piece of machinery I've ever seen, but that is ingen- that is ingenuitive as hell. You, yeah. you know, like holy fuck, those dudes really thought, or, or the you know, they would use those sometimes on seats and trucks and shit. So if you shot the driver, you know, they're very very smart. Uh, engine, they were a lot of ingenuity. You see a bunch of it over there and yeah, you know, I don't know if it would uh, necessarily score on an IQ test, but people are not as stupid as you think. Nah. And, and that's one of the things about this whole Ukraine, Russia war debacle. And like this, this whole, um, like, like the spin up to war, the basically the road to war with, uh, Taiwan or over Taiwan. like, you know, I mean, China. China has designs on taking Taiwan. Like, like we know this. There's no debate right. in this, right? Russia mm-hmm. is wanting to build. They, they basically want to reestablish the Soviet Union. You know, you you've got Alexander Dugan that, that's running around saying this in the open. Maybe not the Soviet Union, but the landmass that was the Soviet yeah. Union. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and that 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 a hundred percent. And the the respect that the Soviet Union at one time commanded on the world stage of like, hey, you know, you're going to treat us a particular way or else. And and as a peer, because we talked about, you know, like we we had a a dual polar world of like the, you know, the two world powers. And now, like from 1992 forward, it was a unipolar world of one world power and and that was America and they're looking at it like, Hey, we're going to end that. Um, and, and so, you know, we're not doing a real good job, man, of, of like, we're looking at this whole conflict and I see this a lot, especially out of conservatives, man, like so-called conservatives, these guys are running around out there. Like, you know, the whole NAFO crowd and everything. They're like, bro, Mm -hmm. Oh, the Russians are so fucking stupid. Look at them. They they can't even they can't even yeah. take territory. Like, look how quickly we took Baghdad, and they can't take Kiev. It's like, hey man, like first of all, you need to realize some things. Like, they they are not fighting the way that we fight. Like th- this, it's it's not the same thing. Like the you we we can't really compare the way the United States went to war, especially when the the last several times we went to war we didn't fucking win. Like that that's one of the right. things that nobody wants to like. That's the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to fucking address. We didn't win. 
Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, and well, we, we never had a goal. So it's like, no. I don't know exactly how the fuck you win when you have no strategic vision whatsoever like, or whatever like, semblance of strategic vision you have is changing by the month, you know, with you, whatever command transfer. You, like, like, all right, man, you know, like Iraq. Well, well, we'll say Afghanistan. Like we took fuck Kabul. We took Kandahar, took J-Bad. Like we seized the country. Okay. Then what? Like, what did we do? We broke a yeah. bunch of shit. Then what did we do? We hung out for yeah. 21 more years to do what? Exactly what we did. In to Iraq, do what? And I was there. Like I, I was there. I lost friends there, man. Like, you know, but, but this, this is an honest question. Uh, Iraq. You know, we went there, we broke a bunch of shit in 2003. Like, like we got the combined arms maneuver down. Okay, cool. But like big yeah. scheme of things, man, we were fighting like Iraq, especially we were fighting guys who are not a first world military, you know? So you, you've got Russia that's going in. Well, they were for about a week and then they weren't for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, once. Once uh, the the um, uh, the Republican Guard rolled over and, and the Bathists were mm-hmm. were finished, like that, that was pretty much it. Like it was conscripts from there, and those guys they weren't yeah. serious, man. But you know, like like Russia knew going into Ukraine that they were fighting a peer, like they they were fighting an American proxy. They knew that. Like they, they knew that they had been engaged with these guys since 2014, man. So they knew, all right, like we, we know what's going to happen here. We know we're going to take heavy casualties. So what do you do? Do you roll out all your first world military shit or do you roll out all your, your stuff that's been mothballed for a decade or two decades or two and a half decades in some cases, you roll that stuff out, man. And and you That's take like you too. empty your prisons and your surplus population, and you say, "Hey boys, you know, like it's like it's this or or fucking Slav squatting on zero degree concrete for the rest of your life, like you know, whatever. Like make it count for the motherland. We don't give a shit. Yeah, you know, I, I'm definitely no expert on this, but it does appear like the strategy has been to just soak up soak up munitions for the first year. I mean, yep. that, that's what it looks like from the outside. Again, and, I'm definitely no expert, but that bro, is how it looks. I, I'm not either. I mean, but I just think about it like from a numbers perspective, man. Look at the fact that in the GWAT, like 20 years, 22 years of the GWAT, we haven't had to produce javelins. We haven't had to produce, really produce small Ds, AT4s, HIMARs. One five fives, because not a whole lot of artillery's been shot, man. Like, like that's an offensive combat kind of deal. And so you've got all your your military production guys that are saying, like, like the companies behind the scenes are saying, like, I'm not investing in the material and spending all the time to spin my company up to produce this crap again when I know that I'm probably going to be taking a loss. Like yeah. I, I'm not doing that, man. That's capitalism 101, bro. You, you just, yeah. That's just the way it works, man. And so, you know, it, it and let alone like armored vehicles, because the only armored vehicles we've been producing for the past however long has been focused on GWAT stuff. 
like but you yeah. know MRAPs and Humvees. MRAPs and Humvees. We yeah. bro, we, we haven't been building we haven't been building Bradleys. We haven't been building strikers. We haven't been building uh not in quantifiable numbers, you know, A M1 Abrams. We haven't been building these, man, because it's not profitable to do so to the companies. If you don't think that the Russians and the Chinese are looking at that, like now's the time. Now is the time. If we're if we're gonna do it, if we're ever gonna do what we're gonna do, now is the time for us to do it. And they're going for it. And so we're sitting back on our heels and and you've got all these guys that that, you know, quote unquote so called conservatives and stuff, they're like, Oh yeah, we'll just We'll sap their strength and we'll, blah, blah, we'll fight them over there. So when I fight, bro, have you fucking looked at the, the southern border right now? Have you realized yeah. that Nicaragua is a client state of both Russia and the Chinese Communist Party? That Venezuela is a client state of yeah. Russia and the Chinese Communist Party? That Colombia now is that brazil now is man the same day the same day i shit you not look this up the same day that lula goes to washington dc to meet with biden he also invited in iranian ships from the iranian navy the same Fucking day. You say he, Lula did. Lula did. Look it up. Yeah. The same day. And that's that. He did that on purpose, man. That's a slap across the face of like, hey, this is what I'm doing now, man. This is what I'm doing. Don't care. Yeah. Or who knows, like, what kind of conversations are had, you know, because Biden has been really open about wanting to get back into the, you know, the proliferation agreement. I forget what the heck it was called. Uh, the Obama administration. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the, gosh, the nuclear, people are going to be the, dragging me. Nuclear non-proliferation. It, it was so that they, mm-hmm. they could get, um, an NAP or some shit. NAP or the NAEA inspectors in NAEA. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It, basically, it was the same plan that they attempted with Saddam, and that was the same mm. pretext that Saddam used or, yeah. or that we used to to go in in two thousand three. Um, well, it, and we sent I think it was Operation Desert Fox. We sent rockets in there, uh, Hellfire or uh, not Hellfires, uh, Tomahawks in and in uh, ninety seven or whatever, and and then there was mm-hmm. a larger invasion. Iranians know, man. Like, like Iranians, Iranians are smart people. Like, again, yeah, there's that whole American hubris, man, of, of like, hey, you know, we think we're so much smarter than everybody else, man. Like, I know, I know a lot of American Iranians that have been over here since, um, you know, the, the fall of the Shah and and came over and and really awesome mm-hmm. people, man. really awesome people. But I'm gonna tell you something, they're fucking smart. Like they're really, smart. really smart. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm a quarter Armenian myself and, and it, there's like, there's a deep his- history there. Are you about to try to sell me a car? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I don't sell people cars. I, I buy them, but I don't sell them. Uh, but I only buy old cars. I'm not a big fan of new cars. 
But um, it's awesome. No, <laughs> I, you know, you have some good looking cousins running around. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, now, nah, man, um, dude, like we again, we have this hubris that that we're so much fucking smarter than everybody else, and it's just like you have no idea, man. Yeah, like these guys, these guys are sharp. They're very, very sharp, and and they are looking for that moment where it's kind of like the high school bully. Like the high school bully, he's been bullying everybody around, and and somebody's just waiting for him to slip. Man, they're just waiting for it. They're just watching, and then as soon as he slips, as soon as that slip happens, where it's like, oh, you ain't as tough as we thought you were. Then everybody piles in on him. That's what's happening. Yeah, and I, I agree. And a lot of this gets blamed. I agree to some extent. I'll say, um, and a lot of this gets blamed on administrations, and in 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 some sense, rightfully so. But you can't forget that we just came out of a twenty three year long Vietnam esque dual front war. Um, that we just kind of called the GWAT to make it sound like it was one war. It, it wasn't just one war. Um, I, I remember very distinctly in the early days when it was OEF and OIF. Like everyone was very clear that it was two separate wars oh, back yeah. then, you know, or at least two separate war fronts. Um, no, yeah, <clears throat> they were clear. It was two separate wars with supposedly two separate goals and so on. So we've been, we have really uh, drained ourselves for, you know, nearly two and a half decades and you can only do that. And, and as you say, restructured, uh, our war machine in the process down to the granular level. Like this is something you will know that civilians will not know the, the United States special forces, the United States, U S army special forces, was entirely retooled during the GWA and became something that is not even recognizable to its like original mission set. Now they'll still go do J sets and shit like this to pretend like they're still it, it not pretend, but to try to keep those skill sets up. But the way that they were utilized was they were basically another Ranger bat throughout the entire war. And even the Ranger bat just became even like Ranger bat just became uh, I mean, they were always hitters and everything, but they just became like door kickers for 23 years. And I got to tell you, man, that has a very limited utility in a force on force peer to peer, uh, conflict. I exactly. mean, it's not to say it's not useful. It's just that the utility is very limited. You, you end up being another light infantry asset at that point. And, and it's, <sighs> Like th- that, that was the thing too, man. Like when, when they stood down the LURS companies, long range surveillance units. So long range surveillance units, this is something that I'm particularly salty about. The long range surveillance units uh, of the army were, uh, to, to my Marine brothers out there. This was like, um, the closest thing that I could compare it to is force recon. Right. So doctrinally, you're, you're supposed to operate 250 miles ahead of the, the Ford edge of the battle area or the FIBA. Right. And you're trained in, in you know, you're, you're basically collecting intelligence 
and sending it back to the rear based on what you find to be utilized by follow on forces. And so, um, yeah, the worst companies were designed to operate at an echelon higher than the division pathfinder companies that you would have. And, and so this was like a uh, long range reconnaissance patrol in Vietnam. And then there was long range patrol. So a lot of people think like, like the LERP companies in Vietnam were, were all one thing. And like at the division level, they were LRRP. And then you had long range patrol, which was a core level asset. So it's like a tier higher. Right. And that's, that's kind of where your tier concept comes from. What at a certain point, the army decided that this was a really expensive asset that we don't need and we'll just get rid of it. Right. Because we can do all the same things with a drone. That is what, you know, we kept getting yeah. told that we would always have, you know, some fucking captain who, you know, was probably a West Pointer because they're all smarter than you and, and you know it. <laughs> Right, because and and you oh, know yeah. it because they fucking let you know every ten seconds. They're Talking smart. to you, Nick. I know you're listening. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, they, like, I, I don't have any, I don't have any beef per se with West Pointers, but they they got just got their thing that. about. Them. Yeah, they, they they got their thing about them. Man. They got their thing, but um, point is, is that the army decided we're going to get rid of these guys because we have other assets that can do this better that aren't human, right? And so the only special reconnaissance asset that you have after that, like we're going to take this school that you have, the reconnaissance and uh, surveillance leaders course, or ARSLIC, we're going to take this school that you set up that, that is a world-class reconnaissance school. And, you know, it, you, you've got people from all over the world that are wanting to come train at this course. And we're going to hand it over to the CAV who are, you know, nothing against Cav Scouts or whatever, but it's a different mission set, man. It's, it's for mechanized stuff. It's for armor and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of peer-on-peer -peer warfare um, where everybody's driving around in armored vehicles. That's not really what we do, man. It's a, there's a different, it, it's a, it's a different mission set. And um, so anyway, long story short, the army decided they were going to get rid of us. They disbanded guys. And so everybody went everywhere, man. Like dudes went over to SF or they fucking went over to Ranger Bad or, you know, guys trained up, went over to CAG. Um, you know, some of our guys went to uh, RRC, Regimental Recon Company, which is uh, the kind of it's it's it was the worst company, but for Ranger Bat. Um you know, and, and really, really like super solid dudes. Like they, they're a tier one asset too. Like they're, they're kind of the unknown guys, um, that are, that are out there. They're, they're all tier one, man. And some of our guys went over there and, and, uh, really, really awesome. A lot of, a lot of real good stories and, and a good feedback from, from them. But so that, that was still kind of a new thing when, uh, you know, they, they decided they were getting rid of Lurs. It was just like, nope. Long range surveillance companies going away. And um, it's like, bro, you're still going to need this. Like, China's on the horizon. Fucking, you know, Ukraine was not really on the horizon, but definitely like Eastern Europe was definitely, um, you know, like you, you get your threat briefs, and Eastern Europe was definitely not looking good 
Like there, there was things that, that were bubbling up. Like ISIS was becoming a thing. Um, you know, it, it, it was just like the, the, the whole Arab spring was, was kicking off about that time. And they were just like, Hey man, you know, we're just going to disband this whole unit that has, um, you know, all, all these capabilities. We're just going to eliminate the, this from the army because you're expensive. And it was like, well, you know, this is kind of messed up, man. This, these skills are, are critical, but we got rid of them because the technology knows better, right? The technology, some, some drone operator can, it, it, he's, what it boiled down to was, was that a drone operator sitting in, you know, an air conditioned trailer somewhere well, you know, way removed from the battlefield is not a liability because he ain't going to get his body, if he fucks up, he ain't going to get his body dragged through the streets at sure. wherever, you know, like that, that's, that's just what it is, man. And, um, I don't know. It, it's because that kind of thing is a political liability and drone warfare. I mean, you know, under Obama back in that era, um, you know, that, that 2008 to, to 2016 era, Drone warfare went through the roof because it was a very politically easy, politically expedient way to conduct warfare with zero casualties. Zero casualties, man. Like they, they, yeah, probably, they, they yeah. killed an American citizen and they don't even give yeah. a shit. Like, what, what, whatever. He was yeah, he, op- he opened like um, five or six new theaters. Um, with drones over there and and it makes sense from like there there's a way to view this where it makes sense i i mean i don't agree necessarily with the with the way it was conducted but but just from a tactical standpoint there's a way in which this makes a lot of sense uh sense a drone is a small package and was stealth stealth technology that we've been developing since you know, the sixties, late fifties, early sixties, you know, you can put it on a really small package and now you can defeat just about anybody's. Well, at the time, just about anybody's radar system, you know, there's been upgrades and, and all of that, but at the time you could basically fly undetected in any country that you wanted with a, you know, a payload and take out whoever, whoever you wanted. So who needs to, you know, put, some guys from the unit on the ground and, you know, go take you like instead Mm -hmm. of the hammer or excuse me, instead of the scalpel, they went the hammer route and you can see there's a way in which this makes sense tactically, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I I mean, it is, I'm not disagreeing with anything, you know, but, but we don't, the thing I disagree with is the fact that we forsook, uh, we we forsaken one skill set for really an excuse to utilize another, and it was like, you know, man, this this is you're really when when we're talking like, um, that unconventional warfare aspect, you know, going circling back to the original point, that unconventional warfare aspect here of how do you conduct that? Um, now you're leaving some pretty serious holes in there. Like the traditional mission yeah. of SF being training an indigenous force 
to create an uprising. That's mm-hmm. that. That's what it is. It's sure. It's taking, UW, yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it's um, and now all of a sudden, like they're not doing that anymore. Like, well, you know, you're there to train, so you'll train the fucking Iraqi police, or you'll train this police unit or that army unit or whatever. It's like, look, man, you know, foreign internal defense is definitely a thing, but we need to be looking at, you know, our, our, our real options. And, and the GWAT really messed that, that skill up, man. Like I talked to a lot of guys that are getting out now, like in the past couple of years that reach out to me. Cause like the, you know, they, they want to jump into the training game or they, you know, they, they want to do like throw their hat into the ring or like whatever, man, get their voice heard or like exercise their frustrations and whatever. And, and bro, that, that's the reason I got into all this stuff too. But, um, the thing is, is that they all say the same thing. They're like, it's not what I thought it was going to be. It's it's not what the traditional mission was gonna be, um, and it's like yeah, man, you know, and and it's very frustrating to me to hear that and say you know hey, you know, it's it's I I, I totally get it, man, but um, I tell them too, like hey, there's a whole civilian populace out there that is looking to soak up that training and is looking to you for that voice and, and for that guidance. And there's so much that you can offer the the larger community that you need to jump into it, you know? And, and so that's why I've, I've done as much as I have to give all these other guys that are getting out like a big leg up in the training community. I give a shout out to everybody that's running classes. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, man. Like it could be like, four hours of doing ready up drills or something like it doesn't matter. You're, you're getting this dude some training time or he's getting some trigger time as a trainer. You're getting trigger time with a guy who knows what he's doing and can give you professional instruction. Um, it, I mean, that that's a win-win for the entire community and uh, that, that knowledge and, and whatever wisdom he's willing to impart, you know, he, he feels like, and I've seen this like personally with several friends of mine who are all examples of this, that they now feel like I'm actually doing my job now that I'm out better Mm. than I was doing it when I was in, you know, Bryce of uh, intrepid tactics out in Washington. um, You know, he, he's a really good example of this and, and uh, intrepid tactics. He he's up on Twitter and everything. Definitely a, a really, really cool dude. Uh, devout Christian, you know, very, very down to earth guy. I had him on the podcast uh, about a month ago. He's a perfect example of this. Like the whole conversation that we had about, um, you know, his philosophy is as being a trainer. And he basically he said that he's like, you know, I took the, the traditional SF mission. And when I got out, I said, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to apply this to the civilian world. How do you do this? I mean, Clay Martin is another good example, man. Yeah. You know, like he he's like, hey, I wrote my first two books to wake people the fuck up. Like how. All right. So how do you do this stuff? How do you do all of the things? Because he was looking around and he's like, you know, I'm not seeing the answers in the larger community to the questions that people are asking and need to be asking. So here's here's my answers to all this. 
codified it into a book, you know, two books. And then, you know, with uh, Wrath of the Wendigo, really kind of kind of taking it to a, you know, a whole nother level up there. And it's really good to see, man. It's it, this is something that I tell people all the time. Uh, I've said it many times on my own podcast. I say it all the time in class is that there I don't think I, I seriously don't think and, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am. There's ever been a time in American history where we have had more combat experience that is willing to share what they know with the civilian populace. I don't think that there has ever been a time in American history where that has been so, where there has been so many dudes that are like, hey man, you know, like I know how to put you together. I know how to run a movement to contact. I know how to teach you how to do, you know, uh, break contact and, and how to lay in a, a linear ambush or fucking L-shaped ambush. I could teach you how to do all that stuff. You know, hey, and, and I, I seriously don't think that there has ever been a time in American history where there has been that many people who are as combat experienced as they are and are willing to share what they know with the civilian populace. And that is a very beautiful thing. On that note, where can people find you and your classes? Oh, man. Uh, Brushfeeder.org. So brushfeeder.org, you will find the training calendar over there. There's a lot of great content that's up on there uh, going all the way back to 2017. Um, been been at this game for a minute now. Uh, so, you know, all, all, a lot of content up there, 100% free. Uh, you can look at the training schedule. You can reach out to me via email for enrollment instructions. AmericaPartisan.org, which is a daily news aggregator. And I've got, you know, a mountain of content, original content that's up there as well. Uh, Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brushbeater. Uh, that is NC Scout is the handle over there. And, of course, my podcast, Radio Contra. RadioContra.podbean.com. You can find that on uh, Podbean, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all, all the podcast platforms. It's up on on uh, all of them. All right, go check them out. <clears throat> Thanks, brother. This was this was great. We're gonna have to do it again. Yeah, bro. Definitely, man. The honor is mine. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs>